Barney, that was his nickname, he turned around to me, gave me a wink. Now he's standing right in front of me, and for whatever reason, he took the shot from half court. Wow. I followed the ball down. Lo and behold, it, w- it, it went in and right at the end, I don't know what he's going to say, it ripped the twine or whatever. Like that. I said, Rip City, <laughs> all right. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today, I talk with Bill Shonley, otherwise known as The Shans, and the mayor of Rip City. Bill was the play-by-play announcer for the Portland Beavers and for 35 years with the Portland Trailblazers. He was inducted into the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame, and in 2003, the Blazers retired his microphone. Bill Shonley now works as the Blazers' goodwill ambassador. Well, it all began after I graduated from high school back in Norristown, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And I went into the Marine Corps right Mm -hmm. after that. I was at a point in my life there, what am I going to do? And I did a lot of singing, Mm -hmm. music work, and (laughs) things like that. And I said, no, maybe the military might send me off somewhere and I could start my life. So I did, went into the Marine Corps after basic training They sent me and many, many other young men overseas to the South Pacific, Hmm. Uh, Guam, Saipan, Peleliu, and the Korean War was not ready to resume. My orders were changed to go to South Korea, but America at that time was pulling all the troops out of that that part of the world, they should have let them stay. I went to Guam Mm -hmm. and the Southern Pacific Islands. And shortly after I got there, the Korean War was underway. America could not do anything about it then. They should have left the troops there. And while on Guam, I did so many things. I organized a, a band which was pretty good at the time, and many other things. Did some singing, and one day, a young man came up to me, another Marine, and said, Shans, you know, we have an armed forces radio station up where the Navy is. And I said, yes, we listen to them all the time. He said, you should go up there. I think they could use you. (laughs) I said, no, no, they, they don't want me. Yeah, oh yes, you should go. I waited a couple of days. I commandeered a jeep, got into the jeep, drove up to the highest part of Guam, went into the Armed Forces radio station, took a little uh, while to see the commander who was in the Army there and was running the station, and he said, come on in. Came in, gave me an audition. He said, you're hired. (laughs) So Armed Forces Radio, of course, is made up of Navy, Marines, Air Force, and 
I was the only Marine yeah. on the station. So the Marine Corps transferred me to the radio station. Now I got to backtrack again. In high school, we had a local radio station in Norristown, Pennsylvania. And we, through high school, we did a, a number of things about what is going on at Norristown High. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed what I was doing. I did everything on the station. And on the weekends, we would broadcast also intramural games, if you will, with the other military establishments. So I had to do some play-by-play for the Air Force, the Army, and so forth. Then it came to a point where the Korean War, they needed bodies to go over there. They needed Marines. They needed the Navy, the Air Force to go... uh, and help because this thing was escalating so fast, they had to get people, non-training people. Mm -hmm. I was on a list with my backpack, my rifle, to go to Korea, and I didn't get to go. All three times, right at the end, right was I to board the ship, they called out my name. So all of my buddies left to go to Korea, and obviously some did not come back. They sent me back to Quantico, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. And there we did some public relations work for the Marine Corps. Uh, When the military personnel were coming back from Korea, either alive or deceased, I had a lot of things to do with them. I buried a lot of my buddies. But in the meantime, I would bring a Marine hero or an Air Force hero, if you will, and take them into Washington, D.C. to be interviewed by the local television stations there. And uh, that whetted my appetite before. While at Quantico, about four of us, we put together and asked for a show. We wanted to put on the our version of Oklahoma, the big play. Yeah. It was running in Washington, D.C. at the time, the original cast. Mm-hmm. We went up there, listened, and we came back, and we put Oklahoma together at the Marine Corps base at Quantico, Virginia. <laughs> the four of you. I had the part of um, Will Parker. Everything's up to date in Kansas City, <laughs> da, 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 and so on and so on. And I was back doing musical things and singing again. I did a lot of things. I even went to New York and sang in, in some choirs and whatnot. And I met a friend putting on Oklahoma. Uh, his wife, he was a major in the Marine Corps, his wife played the part of Ado Annie in Oklahoma. And his husband, or excuse me, her husband said, Sean, what are you going to do when you get out of the Corps? Well, I wanted to go sing. I was a big Sinatra fan, and I was a big band music and things like that. I just thrived on things like that. He said, well, I got a buddy down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that just bought a radio and television station. He said, the radio station's on one side of the street, and the television station's on the other side of the street. A UHF station. So I took a Greyhound bus one weekend. Mm-hmm. We went all the way to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, took an audition, and the guy said, when you are out of the Marine Corps, you have a job. 
I said, you're on. <laughs> so I went back to Quantico and, and finished my career. The, the Marine Corps wanted me to stay, and I almost did. Hmm. To that point, it brought me from a kid from high school to the beginning of to develop my career. I mm-hmm. said, well, I want to do this. Yeah. So in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we did everything. And as far as I was a disc jockey, I was a sports announcer, did a lot of work for Louisiana State University in their football and basketball programs. And more and more, I was chopping at the bit to do something else in the business. Yeah. In 1955, I had the opportunity to go to Seattle. So I packed up my wife and my two kids at the time, went all the way to Seattle. I was in there a day, had the, my audition first time at KOMO. I was going to say, radio and TV. Yeah. So did another guy by the just graduated from college. Everybody remembers him, but they don't remember me. (laughs) Keith Jackson, a longtime sports announcer for ABC Radio and uh, TV. He passed Mm -hmm. away a short while ago. So Keith and I did a lot of sports together in in Seattle. He had a chance to go to ABC Radio and do sportscast, and then Wide World of Sports, and that's the history of Keith. Mm -hmm. But I stayed in the Pacific Northwest, and we did hydroplane racing. We we interviewed people, did basketball, Husky football. You did the Seattle Supersonics, right? No, no, I didn't do the Supersonics. Oh, you no. were you oh, you were auditioning for the Seattle Supersonics, and uh, that was given to uh, Bob Blackburn. Bob, uh, that yes. is correct. Yes. yes. And after you didn't get the job with the Supersonics, uh, someone approached you for a job in Portland. I put the Seattle Totem hockey broadcast on in. Seattle. They were not on the air at the time, among all the other things that I I was doing. So I was involved in hockey for a long, long time. Hockey and baseball and football. Came time where I got the job after I was doing baseball for the Seattle Angels. The city got the opportunity to get a major league baseball team there. They were called the Seattle Pilots. The only problem with that when I got the job as a major league broadcaster with my partner Jimmy Dudley at the time, the city of Seattle needed a stadium. They were playing at a small ballpark such as Civic Stadium or Providence Park in Portland right now. They didn't have anything going in that direction. Hmm. The American League took a Seattle pilot franchise away from the city of Seattle and they became the Milwaukee Brewers. Yes. I had the opportunity to go to Milwaukee with the, the ball club, but my radio and TV work at the time was going pretty good, Yeah. so I decided to stay in Seattle. Through my hockey association, I met Harry Clickman, who had the Portland Buckaroos for years and years, put the team in existence and in this area, and put together some people to get an NBA franchise in the city of Portland. Harry gave me a call after he found out that I was available. And in his deep bass voice, he (laughs) said, Sean, how would you like to do NBA basketball? (laughs) 
I said, well, Harry, that, that sounds pretty good. You know, I had a Major League Baseball broadcasting job, and it was taken away. I had nothing to do with that. That was life. He said, well, come on down and we'll talk. <laughs> so I came down to, to Portland, and he put me up in a small little motel over here, not too far away from where we're speaking right now. We talked five, six minutes. We shook hands, and that's coming up to 50 years ago yeah. next year. Yeah, 1969 and then 1970, you were hired, and you were the sixth hire. I was the sixth man hired on the staff that Harry Glickman was putting together. Yeah. So when 50 years come up, I have been there around this part of the country for 50 years. And one of the first things that Harry said to me, Shines, I want you to build a radio network. I said, oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. So he gave, we, we got a, a van, mm-hmm. and I went around the state. We were going to be on KOIN radio in those days, Mm -hmm. KOIN radio, and we were for a number of years. So I went around the state to all the the different cities in this wonderful area and went in to see the station managers and all the personnel. At times, I had to get down on my knee and (laughs) beg to, to take the broadcast they would always say, well, what do we want to broadcast NBA basketball for? I said, well, it's, it's a coming thing. I don't know what I said, <laughs> but it came over well to them, and we built that first year. We had 15 stations wow. on our network, wow. From across and the state. It's, uh, it's going quite well right now. But I had the chance to go all over the state and meet a lot of people, yeah. and in those days, radio was still riding high in this day and age, as you well know, television is there. But I love radio. I do too. And uh, I tried to do, in the early days, to get involved in this community. And I did, for one, for sure. And as time went on, I was involved in so many things. I just loved it. But my, my number one choice to help out both the kids at Providence Child Center. Yeah, yeah. The you... mental, fragile kids yeah. who need help, 24-hour-a-day help. So I have the Child Center. It's now Bill's Kids. Mm-hmm. And that's been my number one faction to do something and give back. The state, all those years of doing broadcasts, I'm trying to slow down now, but <laughs> I have a tough time saying no, and I don't know how to how to put it for you, but I just got involved, didn't think anything about it. That's what I, I wanted to do. Yeah. It was tough on my family with the travel with the uh, Portland Trailblazers all the time, and, and in the summer times, Portland Beaver baseball, and right. I did it all. Yeah, you sure did. Well, you were the play-by-play announcer. Uh, from 1970 to 98. I mean, that's almost 30 years as play-by-play. Well, well you know, they ha- they have that number wrong. I they was do. on the air doing the play-by-play for 35 years, but that's okay. No, it's not. Thir- you own that 35 32 years. is okay, but thir- 35 is a little 35 is But I'm, I'm still with them. Exactly. I'm sort of a goodwill ambassador. You can't, Yeah, you came back uh, in 2003, returned to the team, as you said, uh, goodwill ambassador, but you also appear 
on radio and TV segments. I mean, you've got the history of the team in your blood. Yes, and I do. And so this is, uh, this is what you do. I mean, you had, now tell me if this number is right. Uh, you've called 2,522 Blazer games. Is that right? Have you kept track of all those? I did, but they have that number wrong, too. It <laughs> was bet close they do. to 3,000. Yeah, yeah. if you were okay. 35 years. Uh, but you only inter- that was only interrupted once because you had a heart attack. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you missed 25 games during the 82-83 yep. season. And you mentioned um, Bill's kids, but you've done a lot with the American Heart Association as well and put your put your heart, literally, heart and soul into yes, that Yes, they've been very good. And Life Flight. Yes. I had my heart attack first over in Pendleton, Oregon. Dave Twardzik, one of our players during the championship years, we were on a station visit, and we had time. David was doing a little clinic, and I was going around over in Pendleton seeing some of the local sponsors, Mm -hmm. shaking hands and things. And we had some time after lunch to maybe play nine holes of golf. And I said, and it was awfully hot on yeah. this particular day. It was darn near 100 degrees over there in Pendleton. And I said, okay, we'll play. So we went out. The course is normally closed in those years on Monday, so it was wide open. Mm. They made arrangements for Dave and myself and another kid to to play nine holes. So we get to the first tee, and as I'm walking up the first tee, all of a sudden, I felt strange, you know, and my my chest was was hurting, and uh, my arms didn't feel right, and everything. I didn't tell them, so I teed off. By the time we got to the first green, I knew something bad was going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything to them, so we put it out. Went to the uh, second tee. Dave Twerzig hit to the left. I hit to the right, and by the time I got down to my golf ball, I collapsed. I said, I can't go any further. He said, well, what are we going to do? I said, you guys, you go on. My van was parked not too far away from the the green, and I said, I'll sit down here for a while, and and I'll wait for you. I want to get into the van and turn on the air conditioning, and maybe that will make me feel better. So they went. Now I'm by myself. I shouldn't have done that at the Mm-mm. time, but I'm by myself. So I somehow I managed to get to the automobile and turned on the air conditioning, and that didn't do it because I was still perspiring, and my arms and chest were hurting bad. A gentleman who was working at the club came by, fortunately, and I'm over the, the driver's wheel, he knocked on the window, and he, and I had that uh, to my right. And he said, Shans, are you okay? And I said, no, you got to get somebody to help me. Mm-hmm. So he ran and got somebody, and then he got out on the course. They got Dave Twardzik, and they rushed me into the, the hospital there in Pendleton, and uh, that was it mm-hmm. uh, from there on. And then Life Flight got me over to Meridian Park here, yeah. and they got me in the nick of time. Wow, so, wow. I'm fortunate that... to have life flight in my life as well as many other things. Right, but they came, yeah, it was in the nick of time, as you said. Wow. Uh, 
You're listening to King's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Bill Shonley in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company. The legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Bill Shonley, otherwise known as The Shans, and the mayor of Rip City. Bill was the play-by-play announcer for the Portland Beavers and for 35 years with the Portland Trailblazers. He was inducted into the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame, and in 2003, the Blazers retired his microphone. Bill Shonley now works as the Blazers' goodwill ambassador. Your 35 years as a Blazer play-by-play announcer, there are probably thousands of memories and, and things that you just treasure but can you share a couple of them with with us what are some of your favorite seasons some of your favorite moments um from all of your time calling play-by-plays and traveling with the team traveling with the team in those days we didn't they're not uh, the travel was not as good as <laughs> no not as comfortable when you have your own plane and can do everything they could <laughs> Take off and land wherever you want to. Right. Well, we were going commercial, and but we we made it. Probably the number one is the championship yeah. day yeah. here in Portland. Absolutely. Back in June of nineteen seventy six and seventy seven that year. Well, seventy seven by by that time, and uh, what happened that day? That final series, Portland Trailblazers in their seventh year. We're going to play for the world's championship. Everybody was excited. Went back to Philadelphia. Lost the first two games. Came back here. There's a great crowd at that time yeah. out of PDX. So we have the next day, the third game of the series. Blazers win. Fourth game. Blazers win. Now, it's the series is tied. <laughs> Back on that airplane to Philadelphia to play the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. City of Philadelphia was pretty, uh, pretty vivid up. in the oh, anticipation of this game. Blazers win it back there. Now we come back home for the sixth game. Yeah. PDX, when we landed, close to 7,000 people out there. You could not move. Now it's that Sunday afternoon that we we're going to play, the, and CBS the television network at the time. CBS folks wanted the game to start at 11 a.m. in the morning, Portland time, because they were also carrying the Kemper Golf Championship. (laughs) Golf was involved. They asked Harry Glickman to change the time. Harry Glickman, in his only fashion and in his deep bass voice, no <laughs> chance. <laughs> we'll go at noontime or later, but that's it. Well, CBS acquiesced. We played that game to start at 11 a.m. in the morning at Memorial Coliseum. There were so many great times at that building. Get down to the final seconds. Down by two. Had a Philadelphia timeout. Portland timeout. I was set for whatever, because if you lose this one, you still have game seven, see? Well, we get down to it and win the game. Well, the crowd rushed down to 
Coliseum floor. They, they had the big parade the next day. And the Portland Trailblazers, in their seventh year of existence, won the world's championship. Yeah. I, I wear a championship ring. I noticed that. Which is close to my heart, of yeah. course. And all the visits, wherever I go, people want, want to see the ring. And I always say, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to stick around till they get another one. <laughs> but they better hurry up. <laughs> yeah, they better hurry up. Yeah. What yeah. are you thinking about this season's team? What are you thinking about the chances? You know, the people around here are disappointed, the team and our organization, the way the, the team ended its season last year. Yeah. But they made it. They won 49 games. Yep. They should be in the playoffs. They were. They were playing great prior to the playoffs and then just fell apart. I was at that last home playoff game. Yes. Oh, that was a heartbreak. Yes, it was. I think the team this year is going to um, do the same, maybe make it to 51 wins. I'm going to put that out on the line, 51. Uh, I don't know how far they'll go. Right. But it was a good year last year. It was a good year. And an exciting year. Yeah. And basically the same team Mm -hmm. is put together for this year as we speak. During training camp and the preseason games, there could be a change. All 30 teams are doing the same thing, trying to put their situations together. Yep. So I'm anxious for October the 18th (laughs) to arrive, finally, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. And we've had a great career of the Lakers and Portland playing one another. Absolutely. It's been terrific. Some of the players along the way, I mentioned to you before we turned on the microphone that um, I had Jeff Petrie in for Mm -hmm. this series. In your years of uh, being involved with the team, friendships uh, with the players developed? uh, And who are some of those players that you became close to in your years? Well, Jeff Petrie. He was our first choice. Yeah. He played his great years here. Yeah. And... uh, Finally, they uh, let him go, and he went back east. So he still had a home here at the time. Then he had the opportunity to go to Sacramento and Mm -hmm. became the general manager down there. Yeah, for many years. And uh, we see one another not as much these days as we did after he retired. My gosh, that guy's 66 years old. Makes me feel real old. (laughs) And Dave Twardzik, yeah, Maurice Lucas, yeah, we became dear friends, mm-hmm. and I was with him about three days before he passed away, and I went into his room and he was not well, obviously, mm-hmm. and I had lost a lot of weight, and the one thing I remember about that, he said I was sitting in a chair, at the end of the bed, he said Rip, he always called me Rip, he said Rip, come over here. I want to talk to you. And I went over. And I sat down right by him. He forced his way up. He said, "Get closer. Give me your arms." Okay. I did that. He got up to my ear, and he said, "Rip, I love you." Mm. Wow. Yeah. Bill Walton. Yeah. Uh, to uh, this day, we converse with one another. 
You know, he had a stuttering problem at an early age and through school, and he couldn't speak. Even when he came here, he uh, it was tough for him to say anything because mm-hmm. he couldn't get it out. Right. Even when he was at college at UCLA, John Wooden, the great coach down there, would not allow Bill to do post-game interviews. Hmm. So after a period of time, John had to give an excuse, something of the gang, oh, he has to go and you know, whatever it might be. The real reason, he couldn't make it with the media. Mm-hmm. Well, he worked hard yeah, on that. Yeah, he did, because you would never know. I'll, I'll remember one story before I finish with this. Lenny Wilkins was our coach the year before the championship. Mm-hmm. And we were in Philadelphia, and Bill had been hurt for a while. He was not going to play on this particular night. But it came, I went to shoot around that day at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. And then Lenny had this little talk with him, and I'm sitting there, and I can remember. And Lenny said, Walton, are you, can you play tonight or not? Uh, no, Lenny, I can't. Maybe by the time I get home, you'll be able to play. Lenny went nuts. He said, that's it. I don't want you on the bench. You can sit or stay home or go back to the hotel. I don't want you around. Wow. And then he finished with it. If you want to, go over and sit by Shanley. So that night, he was my broadcast partner. Huh. He had a tough time getting it out. Yeah. But his analysis of the game was terrific. Yeah. So he finally, in periods of time, a lot of guys around the league tried to help him with that, and now that he can talk, we can't shut him up. <laughs> you give that. Walton the microphone, <laughs> and he goes on for a half hour, I and then you say, oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video of the two of you. You were uh, in the middle of the, I don't recall what uh, the yes. event was. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. And you were saying the same thing. You are saying, you don't shut up, Bill, and he was. He was just talking He kept and talking. right on going. <laughs> uh, we did this a couple of years ago uh, when we... We had the, the team members for the championship year back in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, at halftime, they were in the circle. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I introduced them. A lot of years prior to this, they don't do it anymore. The postgame show with me was out at midcourt. Right. With a guest. Hopefully one of our guys or, or from the visitors. Uh, the, the organization said, we're going to do the post-game show like, we, like you used to do over, over the years. I said, oh, that's fine. I mean, we want you to talk to Walton. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> that's fine with me. We're good friends and everything. So we get set. And I said, Bill, I want you to talk about Jack Ramsey, the <laughs> coach. Okay, I will. So I introduced Bill and said, that was my first question. That was the only question <laughs> I asked the guy. He took the microphone. We were in chairs at the mm-hmm. at the center jump shot area, and he went on and on and on. And I'm sitting there with him, waiting for my second question. Right, your opening. Uh, he went on and on and on. I finally put my microphone down on the chair and walked off. <laughs> What did he do? He's still talking. <laughs> I waited maybe about three or four more minutes. He's still talking. 
That's I finally nice. went out, grabbed the microphone, <laughs> and basically said, that's enough. <laughs> he, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. You were mentioning uh, when you were talking about Maurice and him calling you Rip. Uh, there were a number of phrases that you coined. Of course, Rip City being the big one. Yeah. But there's Bingo, Bango, Bongo. Yes. There's uh, Climb the Golden Ladder. Yes. Lickety Brindle in the middle. Up the middle. Uh, yes. Up the middle. And uh, you've got to make your free throws. You've got to make you've your free got throws. To make Absolutely. Your free throws. But Rip City came around by accident. Yes, it did. Tell us a story. In the first year, I wanted to come up with a phrase that would be synonymous not only with the team, but my broadcast. Yeah. You, you, there are certain things you say when, when you're calling a basketball game, but I wanted something else that maybe we could hang on to, and I had no idea. It was about halfway through the first seasons, and the mighty Los Angeles Lakers came to town. Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Gail Goodrich, and all the old-timers. We got to the point where the Blazers were down on a typical night, 26, 27 points. But all of a sudden, the game changed. We get to the point of the game where the next basket by Portland would tie the mighty Lakers. Well, that crowd was going crazy at, at the Coliseum. It was a good game to this point. Jim Barnett, former University of Oregon player, played in the NBA, this is our first year, and Jim was with us. He was a flake of sorts in a flake today, but a real good guy because <laughs> you never knew what Jimmy was going to do. Now I Blazers have the ball. I bring him. Barnett has, I, I can't say it word for word because I don't remember that part. But when I bring him to half court, he stops in front of me. And in those days, I was sitting right at, at midcourt. Mm-hmm. I had some stat guys on my right, two reporters from the Oregonian and the Oregon Journal to, to my left. Barney, uh, that was his nickname. He turned around to me, gave me a wink. Now he's standing right in front of me. And for whatever reason, he took the shot from half court. Wow. I followed the ball down. Lo and behold, it, w- it, it went in, and right at the end, I don't know what it's going to say, it ripped the twine or whatever. That I said, Rip City, <laughs> all right. That's the birth of Rip City. And it's amazing because you will find it everywhere, especially during the season. But there have got to be uh, so many Blazer fans and so many people at Portland who have no idea where that came from. Well, that was the birth of Rip City, and it uh, means something good. I didn't obviously do for every basket. Right, right. Just certain times, (laughs) try to pick my spots, and it worked out. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very humble about that. Uh, There's the phrase that right now it's literally all over the world in basketball. Absolutely, absolutely. That's amazing. It's, It's synonymous with the Blazers. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm sorry, folks. I, I, <laughs> I started it all. <laughs> uh, in uh, 1999, you were inducted to the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame. Yep. Uh, a few years later, Blazers retired your microphone. Yes, they did. Which was pretty neat. And uh, you were also then, a few years back, 2012, awarded the Kurt Gowdy Media Award. Um, this is a quote that I came across that I thought was pretty neat. Sports writer Kerry Egger said, 
Sean Lee is considered by fans to be the one constant link with Oregon's only major league team. That's got to be a well, pretty nice that's, Yeah, it was very nice, Carrie. Yeah, yeah, very nice. What do you think about that? Do you think? Because you've got people, they see you driving by, and they recognize you, and they beep the horn, and they yes. say, hey, Sean. I've got Rip City license That's plates. right. They know who you are. I've had them stolen three times. Oh, geez. But I was able to get them back. Good. Well, I'm very honored and very humble about that. The the one nice thing when I went in the, to the Basketball Hall of Fame and got that Kurt Gowdy Award, who yeah. was a friend of mine, and uh, that, that, so that made me feel real good. I've had some good times. You know, the uh, Oregon Sports Hall of Fame. I don't know what to tell you. I've done <laughs> I've done a lot of things. It's been a pretty neat career one that well this is a great part of the country and i love it the fans i've i've tried to give back to the listener yeah i always try to remember i'm talking to one person out there and i think that's the magic of radio because i i am a sports fan and i love watching sports mm -hmm. but i um when i was earlier in my career i ran the board for the brewer radio network so with bob uecker uh, oh. And the Packer Radio. I'm from Wisconsin, oh. and the Packer oh, okay. Radio Network. So I ran the board for it, and there is just something uh, magical about a radio sports broadcasting, both the play-by-play -play and the color commentary, that you don't get as much on TV. Sometimes, on occasion, I have turned off the TV broadcast to listen to mm -hmm. the radio mm -hmm. because it's so much more. You've got to tell the story, right? I'm. And you can All those years, that's what I try to do. There's mm -hmm. a story. Yeah, it's a basketball game, but it's a story. It's a story, yeah. And it's magical. A good radio broadcast how was, is magical. How was Euchre? He's great. He's still going. He's still going. They won the NL uh, now, yes. and he was there, you know, celebrating with them. And, yeah, yeah Bob Euchre is synonymous with the Brewers. You are synonymous uh, with the Blazers. That's yeah, nice. Um, it, it is. It's, you know, you become part of the team, and that's pretty special. And you are part of the team. I mean, coming back as an ambassador, how did that make you feel coming back? Well, they wanted me to stay on, and that's the way it was. I'm, okay. I'm fortunate. I'm the only guy left. That was on the active payroll in 1970, yeah. and the active payroll today. Yeah, uh, doesn't happen. My goodness, I'm coming up to 90 years of age, but I'm I'm fortunate. I'm I'm feeling okay. I've had my aches and pains, and we'll have some more. But I'm going to go as long as I possibly can. Yeah. I have a goal for one thing. I want to finish this year. Mm -hmm. And as we've spoken, we've said that. But Next year, 50 years, so it's going to be a lot of fun. If I can make that, a 50-year anniversary with the Trailblazers and my 90th year of life, and then whatever happens after that, I don't care. You got more uh, room on your fingers for another I ring. have a lot of room. You for got a lot of room, so um, yeah. yeah, we got to get that going. <laughs> um, at the Moda Center, they, uh, they did a tap room, Sean Lee's place. Yes, Shawnee's place. Wow, that uh, boggled my mind That's when they told cool. me that they were going to do that. How often do you get to games these days? I could, I'll go to all the home games. You do? And every once in a while, I'll make a trip with the team. Yeah, okay. A short trip, not, not the long ones. And what are your favorite things to do as ambassador? Well, whatever the town I'm visiting or whatever MC work I do, uh, people 
ask me about the championship season. Not only do I want another one, but so do they. <laughs> Everybody wants another one. And my charity things. Yeah. Uh, I know, wherever I go, I get something. Good. Thank you so much for coming uh, today. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Bill Shonley. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating King's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.